Welcome to The Open Word, the online teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry on today's episode. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. of the Spirit. We find those in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. For the fruit of the Spirit is love. And then Paul goes on from there. I believe, as some have taught, that there is, as Paul says, the fruit of the Spirit is, and he says love. I believe that that love, that agape love of the Father God working and moving in us is that fruit of the Spirit. And then it's demonstrated through joy and peace and long-suffering kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. See, you can't fake those, at least not for very long. And yet you can fake the gifts. The Holy Spirit is given to believers the moment of belief, and it's a powerful and amazing gift of God. He fills believers with Himself in order to guide, teach, and grow them to be more like Him. Today, Pastor David will teach about the filling of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life. With the Spirit truly in you, God is reflected to the world in unique and amazing ways as you surrender to Him. A life of true faith comes out in greater love to others and a deeper peace in this world of trouble. Stay tuned to the Spirit of God inside you. And here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 19 as he continues his message of tongues, hankies, and demons. still uh, many standards, there's, there's, there's many uh, marker points that have to be within the normal Christian life, within a believer's life. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, there are some things that have to be there, but yet there's still a great variety. But again, as Watchman Nee says, there is nothing stereotyped about God's dealing with his children. And so therein lies the problem. Because you see, many times the church is looking more to imitate other churches or trying to experience what God is doing at another place or another time rather than simply trusting God to freely work as he wills and allow him to leave what evidence he pleases of that work that he does. We want to be like the church up the street. Oh, we want to be like the church across the country or, or up in the big city. We, we want to see God move among us like that. No, that ought not be in our, in our vocabulary. What our, what our prayer, what our request ought to be is God move in us the way that you desire to move in us. God, move in me the way that you want to move in me. Don't make me like so-and-so, Lord. No, with the gifts and the calling you have in my life, Lord, Make me all that you desire me to be. And that brings me back full circle to the question I started with. How does the Holy Spirit work in the life of a believer? Now, I want to submit to you this morning that the Holy Spirit works differently in the life of every believer based on the gifts 
and the calling that God has on that individual. And all too often though, we look through the word of God and we see how the spirit is moving at a certain time or a place, or we hear of a move of the spirit at another church, another city, another state, another country. And we say to ourselves, that is how the spirit should always be working in. And then you fill in the blank. In my life or in your life or in this church or in that church. We see it there and said, man, that, that's how it's got to be. With all of that, though, with that kind of a mindset, we're not giving room for the sovereign work and the timing of God for the purposes he has for us in the time that he has planted us. What was the great words to Esther? For such a time as this, God has called you to that place, to that position, and I believe that that runs true for every one of us. God created us at this time for a particular purpose and reason. And with that, again, it's kind of a long introduction to a short message, but we are in the book of Acts. We are in chapter 19. I invite you to turn there, if you would. Acts chapter 19. Now, we started... Uh, in chapter 19 last week, we got through the first five verses. Uh, I do want to back up. It's only five verses. I'm not going to re-preach them. You don't have time this morning, but I do want to put it in the context because remember, church, don't ever forget, context may not be everything, but it does keep everything in order. You need to know the context of what you're studying in order to put it in the right place with right understanding. So, Acts chapter 19, beginning in verse 1, we read, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And so they said to him, We have not so much as heard, rather there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? And so they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Here we have some men that somehow they had made the connection with the teachings of John the Baptist, and they were under that understanding. They did not realize the completion of John's message had been in and through Jesus Christ and Christ's death and his resurrection. They hadn't got that. And undoubtedly, these men, had, they committed their lives to serving, to following uh, the Lord. They just didn't know the completeness of the work of Christ. And although Luke calls them disciples here, uh, we soon understand they're not completely instructed of the reality of Jesus Christ as that promised one that John had been talking about. But once they received Paul's teachings, they committed themselves then to this newer, this more, this more complete revelation, this fulfillment of John's message, and they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, you need to understand something absolutely amazing happened. Look here in verse six now. And when Paul laid hands on them, 
the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about 12 in all. So right here, right now, some of you are like really worried. You're probably afraid we're going to do an altar call and we're going to lay hands on you, asking for, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to expect you to speak in tongues and you're going to freak. You're going to run out of the building and say, that's crazy. I don't want any of that stuff. What God did, you need to understand that what God did in these men's lives at that time, at that place, yes, it was absolutely amazing. And it was powerful. And it was the plan and the purpose of God. But you also need to understand that what happened at that particular time with these particular men was absolutely unique. Absolutely unique. Now the rest of you are probably thinking, no way, that wasn't unique. That's the way a believer ought to be, man. We ought to be filled with, with, with the Spirit. We ought to be speaking in tongues. That should be happening. We ought to be prophesying. Well, I'm going to ask both sides of the aisle here to bear with me a little bit. Whether you believe that, uh, again, the, the filling of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit are, are dead and gone, or rather you expect that, man, you don't go to church unless all that's happening. You haven't really been at church. Both of you, just chill for a moment. Listen and think through what we have. I think the problem is that we have been, the church has been under such bad teaching on both sides of the aisle in reference to this whole thing of the filling of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. All too often on each side, we have teaching that's either based on fear of the unknown, the unexplainable, and the uncontrollable, or it's based on emotion and personal experience rather than on the balance and the whole counsel of God's word. Some say that the only evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit is that you speak in tongues. Others go on even further saying that unless you've been filled with the spirits with evidence of speaking in tongues, you're not even saved. On the other hand of the pendulum, are those who try to shut off all the gifts of the Spirit. They accept only that initial abiding presence of the Spirit at the point in time of salvation without any acknowledgement of the need to be continually be being filled with the Holy Spirit. And for them, they are limiting the work of God and they disregard, I believe, the clear teaching of the Scriptures. All too often, we're either afraid to let go and let God have his way in our lives, particularly when we don't understand what he's doing. Or we've already predetermined what God should do, how he does it, and it all fits within a nice little package. We become more concerned with the side issue of an external experience and far too unconcerned for our own personal inner growth and our personal relationship based on solid faith in that sovereign work and word of God. In essence, what I did is I went through the book of Acts and I looked through every time that it speaks about uh, either believers being coming to faith or being baptized or again, that infilling of the spirit. Although we don't have time to go over each one of them, you need to see that within the book of Acts, 
We have multiple times where believers are said to be filled with or received or had the Holy Spirit fall upon them. And of those times, we find this either happens either at the time of salvation, at the time that they were baptized, or sometime even after they were baptized. There were times that the Holy Spirit fell upon them during a time of concentrated prayer. There were some times that it came on with the laying on of hands. There were other times that just during the teaching of the word of God, or as I shared, when they were baptized. The thing that we need to realize is that there's also times when it's groups or individuals. They come to a saving faith in Christ. They're baptized and nothing at all, there in the book of Acts, nothing is said about an infilling or filling or a baptism of the Holy Spirit. They, they believed and were baptized, and then Luke moves on. There were times when groups or individuals did receive that filling or that baptism of the Spirit, and yes, they spoke in tongues, and there are times when nothing is said about it at all. Guys, we dare not set our doctrine on speculation. And when the scripture is silent, guess what? We need to remain silent. It doesn't say, and I'm not saying that we can't speculate, but let it be speculation. And state it and understand it as that. Rather than filling in the blanks ourselves and saying that's hardcore doctrine. That's my dogma. This is what I believe. Where did you get that? Well, I don't know. I just assumed this, and I looked at that, and I put two and three together, and I believe that that's how it all goes. Guys, if it's not laid out within the word of God, it better not be your doctrine. It better not be your dogma. If we're honest with ourselves, if we're true with the scripture, we have to realize that God himself will move in his own way at his own time for his own purposes. And yet, because of who God is and in accordance with his word, we do realize that there are still definitely some non-negotiables. Folks, he is God. He is God Almighty. In accordance with his word, we realize in some areas how he does move. We realize in some areas the, the person of his character but he is so far beyond what you and I will ever know this side of heaven. Otherwise, we have created a God that we can understand and control, and suddenly he becomes a very small God. Our God will never fit in a box. I don't care how big the box is. Those non-negotiables that we need to stand by, the reality of things that, yes, there is one God. He's creator of heaven and earth and all that we know. He is known to us in three persons, the persons of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The reality that salvation is through grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Man, that's solid within the word of God. That is undeniable truth there. The reality and the truth that the sacrifice of Christ is the only acceptable means of payment for our sin and thus becomes the, the, the channel of our redemption. The reality that at the end of our days, all humanity will stand before God and they will stand before him either with him being their eternal judge or their eternal father, loving and gracious heavenly father. 
On and on we could go with these non-negotiables. Guys, these are the foundations of our faith. They're, they're, they're the assurance that we have of the authority of God's word within our life. These are the doctrinal truths that cannot and will not change according again to God's word. But unless we see it laid out clearly and plainly in scripture, we dare not say, that on the authority of God's word, I have taken this particular doctrinal stance or I believe this particular thing. Don't say on the authority of God's word if it's not in the word of God. Now that gives still a great opportunity for uh, differing believers or differing churches to say, yes, this is what we believe on the authority of God's word. This is our doctrine. But as a church, we also choose to do this. That's a choice that that church makes because of who they are, their background, whatever it might be. Don't, don't, don't limit that. If they have those foundational truths, those non-negotiables, they're my brother, they're my sister. But they might have a different administration working within their church. They may worship different than we do. They, they may have a lot of other things different just simply because of who they are. But if it's not written down clearly within the word of God as an undeniable, unchangeable truth of God, then don't say that it's on the authority of the word of God. Just be honest and say, you know, we met together and we believe this is how we ought to work this area. Guys, there are still those areas within the word of God. They become, again, what's called the non-essentials of the faith. I need to move on. Because the scripture shows a variety of experiences at a variety of times with a variety of people, guys, we dare not be dogmatic about how the Holy Spirit moves in individual lives other than to see clearly that real evidence of the Holy Spirit within a person's life. Understanding it's not just the, the expression of, of some gift, but the reality of the Holy Spirit working in an individual's life is that ongoing evidence of what we know as the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. We find those in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. For the fruit of the Spirit is love. And then Paul goes on from there. I believe, as some have taught, that there is, as Paul says, the fruit of the Spirit is, and he says love. I believe that that love, that agape love of the Father God working and moving in us is that fruit of the Spirit. And then it's demonstrated through joy and peace and long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You see, you can't fake those, at least not for very long. And yet you can fake the gifts. Believe me, I've seen it happen multiple times, and some of you have. So in the light of, of, of all of this, I guess what I'm really trying to say here is that there's a lot of things about that normal Christian life that can never be and should never be normal because we change. God works in us in different ways. What's normal for me may not be normal for you. What God is working and moving in your life, you know, that, that's, that, that's not happening in my life. 
one of the concerns that some have. So how do we know who's truly saved? Well, number one, it's not your job. Number two, if you see a brother or sister who's caught in a trespass or a sin, you who are spiritual, come up to that one to encourage them and strengthen them. You see how you're living your life and the journey that you have in your life? If I see, man, man, she says she's a believer, but man, she seems to be so far off track. Then I had to be praying for her. If he says that he's a believer and, and he's walking over in, in this way, then I had to be one that, to come up and say, hey, and I love you. Is there some areas I can walk with you, encourage you in your life? But guys, don't expect me to respond in the same ways that you do. And I won't expect you to respond in the same ways that I do. You say you are a believer in Christ. You testify that you've given your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Then, hey, man, let's go with that. Let's run with that. Because really, it's between you and God. And I can pray for you. I can encourage you when I see you struggling. And my hope and prayer is you do the same thing, that we do that with each other. And rather not, that we don't get into that point of judging. Well, I just don't believe she's saved. She confesses Christ. She believes Christ. She's messing up in her life. She's doing stupid stuff. So pray for them. Encourage them. Guys, we walk this journey called faith. And as we do, we ought to be completely surrendered. Every one of us ought to be completely surrendered to the plans and the purposes of God. We ought to be submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought to be living our lives to please and to honor him. But the question really is, have you actually started that journey of your Christian walk. If you started that journey, wherever you're at in that journey, there's issues that you're dealing with. Some of the issues that you're dealing with are not necessarily the issues I'm dealing with or the person next to you is dealing with. Some of the victories that you're experiencing right now, some of the others have never experienced that and they're still struggling in those areas. But the real question is, is are you on that journey? Have you taken that step of faith of surrendering your heart and life to Jesus Christ, receiving that gift of salvation that he offers freely, receiving that and surrendering your life to him? Maybe you just need that, even that fresh touch of the Holy Spirit in your life. And that's, that's the other argument that some have. Well, when I, when I became a believer, I received all the Holy Spirit and God does not divide the Holy Spirit. So I didn't receive a little bit and then later I received more. I, I believe that we get caught up in semantics on this. The reality is, are you submersed in the Spirit of God? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is abiding in you. He is the seal. He's the guarantee that you are a child of God. He bought you with the precious blood of Christ. He's not going to take that away. He's not going to change that. But if you, again, as a believer, man, we get, we get caught in the things of the world. We get, we get distracted by a multitude of things. As I've shared with you in the past, I need to be being filled with the Spirit on a continual basis because I leak. Man, I, I get out in the world and I leak. And I need to come back and say, Lord, Fill me fresh once again. Not come into my life once again. No, he's there. But I just need to be filled with his presence. Open up.
Thanks for joining Pastor David today as we study the book of Acts on the open word. Though our program has come to an end today, your time in God's word can continue. It could be beneficial to go back and study today's passage in Acts on your own and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you about what you read. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor David, you'll find them at theopenword.com. We'd love to meet you too. If you're in the Casa Grande area, please join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. For directions and service times, give us a call at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Now let's turn it back over to Pastor David for a quick request for you, our listener. Thanks, Chris. You know, as this ministry continues to grow and reach further into the community and around the nation with the message of the gospel, I know the enemy wants to stop it. I also know that prayer is a big part of holding him back. Would you take time to pray for us every time you tune in to The Open Word? Pray too for our listeners, your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, and those who may have yet to place their faith in Jesus. This last category especially needs prayer. It could be that the next message you hear may be the first time they're learning about the hope that's only found in Jesus. Please pray that their hearts would be open and that they'd make a decision to follow Jesus forever. Hey, thanks for praying, and thank you for being a loyal listener to The Open Word.